0: Daniel, it's you and I. How are you?
1: Good. I'm using the uh, Kevin Weeks uh, the Kevin Weeks approach right now with the, the phone camera. Uh,
0: hi there, NHL fans. Zoom on a uh, Mac Air and a phone does not work. Uh, Daniel's in an odd setup right now. I don't know how this is going to sound. I don't know how this is going to look. Uh, but <laughs> we're in Google Hangout right now and we always <laughs> use Zoom, but it's just a mess. We're getting it's- it done. Yeah, we're getting it done. Alex isn't here. I don't know if... Uh, I forget what, why. Why is, is it... Does he have a Nighthawks thing? Is he hung over? Is it both?
1: Well, I don't know. Because the one thing that made me laugh, because I kept seeing the pictures of him and Mike, Yeah. that I assumed that uh, Alex was going to send us a message of him. like, hey guys, sorry I won't be able to join you. I'm at the cottage right now.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he did He did tell us. I just can't... I can't remember why. I can't remember if the Nighthawks are playing today, but... It's a uh, busy guy. Busy guy, company man, top man. Anyway, uh I'll tell you who else is kind of busy right now. I bet John Cooper is putting a plan together to make sure his team's prepared for Game 3. We'll start with the Cup final here, Daniel. Uh And my goodness, Game 2, Tampa, Colorado. I don't think I've ever seen such a dominating performance in the Stanley Cup playoffs like I did with the Colorado Avalanche last night. Absolute insanity.
1: Yeah, for me, uh, it, was, it was 3-0 early on. And I really assumed... I didn't think anything of it, more so because the way we saw Game 1 go after the first period that I just thought to myself, Tampa's going to wake up, the shots are going to come, and we're going to have another close game. But that wasn't the case last night. Colorado just kept pouring it on, and they really limited Tampa when it came to the chances. Like It was crazy.
0: It looked like, like uh, there was a part in the second period where maybe Tampa were starting to get a bit of their legs under them, but then Colorado shut it down so easily. So many times we've seen Tampa sort of get their way back into games as playoffs. You mentioned game one, but you just look at any series, really. Uh, but Colorado just said it's not happening. They put their foot down. I think that might have may have been Darcy Kemper's like, easiest night of his career. Yeah, And in, in the finals of all of all places. First off, you're Colorado, and you're going now to Tampa Bay. I think it's safe to say if you can get out with a split, you're going to be pretty happy here because 2-0 against Tampa Bay. Listen, it's not sacred. We saw what happened with the Rangers and all that, but still. Um, standout performances first off to Valley and who I can only, like, imagine what kind of contract he's going to get yeah. at the end of this. Like, what, there's another pair of goals, great on the forecheck. Even going back to game one, he was the one who made that really smart play to send it to Burakovsky for the overtime winner. Lesser men, lesser players would have shot that puck. But the hockey IQ of that guy, uh, I still remember back in the Dallas days when he went back to the – sure he went back to the KHL for it some time. Yeah,
1: I believe St. Petersburg, yeah which is funny,
0: uh, but he's just come back and he's completely reinvented his career. And Elliot Freeman did say last night, uh, I think it was second in mission, that he's going to be a priority for the Avalanche. But like, that's a guy right now that you can see getting a Blake Coleman contract. You know what I mean? Like, if he gets five or like the Hyman type, I wouldn't be surprised because he's playing that well. And he's a 20-goal scorer too in the regular season. I just hit my headphones.
1: Oh no worries. For sure, I re- really agree with that. And it's astounding for me because... And I'm probably one of those people that really did think that uh, it was the cautionary tale of those high Russian draft picks, especially in the early 2010s, where Dallas did take a chance. They let him play right away, no training camp, and a solid rookie season. He didn't really get there again in terms of the production with Dallas. He goes back to the KHL, comes back, tries to do something, then he gets bought out. And the way Colorado's been able to really build him up I think and it's just my opinion that he's just one of those guys that and it's for his own sake as well he saw it I think is he needed the time to develop he was Mm -hmm. 6 foot 4 coming into the draft skinny guy but he didn't want to play in the AHL and you see how it is now he filled into that frame he became more responsible and he didn't have to be that guy that high draft pick anymore that he just really fit into the Abs line up perfectly.
0: I didn't know he was that tall. Anyway, uh, right now he's noted six four two ten. That's according to Hockey DB. But uh, you know, uh, there's also a thing where an organization is going to get a reputation for giving guys other chances and being able to build them back up, and uh, that's precisely what they've they've done with Valeri Nikushkin. It's just such a. I hate the fact that they have him. They have, Arturi Lekinin down there too. Like we know they're going to lose guys. Cause I think it's what like at least nine free agents. I think only two or three of them are RFAs. Val's one of those UFAs, but the fact that they could retain him and then they'd probably be able to retain the true Lekin for at least another season. Uh, It's sickening. It's very sickening to look at. Um, But, like, just going back to Tampa Bay, so that was, did you see Andre Vasilevsky's 100th career game in the playoffs? And it's only the second time, I believe, in his career he's allowed seven goals. And apparently the last time it happened was against the Arizona Coyotes. And Steve Dangle had a marvelous tweet. I yeah. don't know if you saw this. Yeah. The reason He said, paraphrasing <laughs> here, the reason you don't remember Vasilesi having seven pass him against the Arizona Coyotes is because that was the same night that the Leafs lost to David Ayers. So what, uh, 10 out of 10 tweet there from Steve Dangle. I love uh, it. Yeah. And what's great about what the ABS are doing right now is, besides the fact that by the way, I think this is just further evidence that Sam is probably going to get traded because they're doing this without him. And Bo and Byram is, of course, emerging. Um, doing this without Naz and Kadri, too. And listen, Braden Point's come back and he's looking better each game. But I think he's still finally probably getting up to speed. He looked good last night, I thought. In the brief chances Tampa got, at least. Um, but without Kadri, too, this is so impressive from the abs. It's... Uh, we talk about next man up mentality a lot, and they're just sort of personifying that to a D right now.
1: Yeah, we always talk about Tampa's way of the last few years having the next man up, but Colorado, the way they've been able to get things out of their top nine guys, bottom six guys, everybody's kind of contributing here and there. Um, it's really great. You, you see beyond that that top that top line we saw with them before, like, you know, Gabriel Landeskog's playing out of position right now, and they're still being able to do all of this. That for me, it's still surprising that he's the one taking a lot of the faceoffs, and he's winning a lot of them.
0: He's, you know, what Landeskog's always been one of those guys where I don't think a lot of people really appreciate how good he is. Uh, another good thing from this playoffs, I mean, people are realizing as well is just how good Nico Rantanen is. You know, I've been a big fan of his for a long mm-hmm. time, and I thought he had a hell of a game. It was. Well, the funny part is when the goals started to pile on when the game was lost. Uh, that's only that was when McCarr and those big guys started getting on the board. The early parts of the game were the depth guys. So, like what I think is um, at first, a lot of us were talking about the Rangers' speed, sort of being able to, a little difficult for for the Tampa Bay Lightning to keep up and not being able to slow the game down. The worst thing you want against Colorado is having you know lots of rush chances. But the thing is, slowing down the Rangers compared to the Colorado Avalanche is so much different. It really feels like Tampa are overwhelmed right now. Because it it feels impossible to actually stop Colorado's rush. Because the way they move the puck, I never shut up about this. Like, their power play, they're great with the one-touch passes. Like, that McCargo, I want to say it was the second one. The tic-tac-toe play was amazing. How quickly they get it up from one side of the ice to the other? I like that's the future of where the game is going, right? There's playing fast and being a great transition team. And then there's the abs. They're another level, honestly. I love it so much.
1: yeah, I, I agree it, by the way. Great. yeah yeah, great guy, of course. <laughs> hopefully a friend of the show one day. but um uh, I, I agree with you that. I understand that you know there's the wear and tear of things. We'll, we'll get to it. Like Victor Hedman is clearly hurting out there, but oh, yeah. the way the Avalanche have been able to just get into the offensive zone, the number of breakaways we saw against them, especially against that defensive core, that's something that I didn't see happening. I thought maybe the Rangers would have more of an opportunity for that, but the Avalanche, I think there's a whole nother level when it comes to that tra- transition game and Being able to just kind of lay it onto the Lightning, and which is which is funny to me in a way because that's how the Lightning did kind of show it for themselves against like I saw against the Leafs, I saw against the Panthers, where they just never let up, and I'm seeing Colorado do the exact exact same right now.
0: Now we say all this, but I think we should make it very clear. And I I tweeted this: the people counting out the Tampa Bay Lightning last night are, are don't do it, stop it. Uh, this is a team where if there's any squad and people were saying, Ah, you know what? Uh this isn't the Dallas Stars, these aren't the Montreal Canadiens. Let's not forget the you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning have gone through some real juggernauts in the East before. Uh like let's not forget about the battles they have with the Islanders and that and how they've been a nuisance at points to teams like Carolina and that. This is a good team. And there's a reason they're back to back champs. I hate when people put asterisks on championships. Um, like, people are doing to the Golden State Warriors right now. I'll yeah. we'll talk about that a little later. Um, but, I, I, going, what's the saying? You're never in trouble until you lose at home. I'll, I don't need to tell you what's what's going to go wrong if the Avs win game three, obviously. But, listen, if you can draw even at home, it's a completely different series. Like you, The worst thing is, like, Tampa cannot lose any of these home games. Because the worst scenario, let's say you win game three, but then Colorado take game four. You can't go the ball arena down with the abs having a chance to clinch. And I wanted to mention ball arena here because they have really emerged as a great arena. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, obviously, you know, I watch a lot of abs games, um, you know, whenever the abs aren't playing. Uh, A little like a few of the things I wanted to mention. First off, I've always loved the Mario power up sound effect when they kill off penalties.
1: Uh, The woo woo after
0: all the goals. I forget the song they sing. All that that's small things.
1: Uh, Blink one eighty
0: two. Blink one eighty two. I never heard of them until really? that song. Really? Yeah. No, it is uh, Daniel. They're not Japanese, so I don't listen to
1: them. Oh yeah, that's true.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, but like they have. Listen, I've been very critical of the Tampa fans before in that arena of Emily being very quiet. Uh, they've got a real bomb burner, barn burner. Sorry to go up against against. Well, I, I thought you said they have again. a real
1: bomb gardener. I'm like, I hear that right. They
0: wish they were as good as Alex Baumgartner, but they're not. Of
1: course. Yeah.
0: But he's not rooting for Tampa either right
1: now, so No. <laughs> but yeah, they're a great arena, man. They are. They I love the energy that's there. I think I think it's just kind of for me they're just expressing what they like what they've been holding for so long, these past few years, throughout the playoff disappointments, throughout the bubbles, throughout everything that This is an abs team that they were always expected to be here, and I think the fans felt the same way.
0: So was it 2017 they were last? Yeah. Does that not feel like forever ago?
1: That was crazy because I remember I thought they were going to win the lot. Well, I mean, in a way, they still won the lottery (laughs) in hindsight. um, They got Kel McCarr, but I was surprised when they dropped in the draft because I thought they were getting number one.
0: Joe Sackick really looks like he wanted to die when that lottery happened. Um, is Kyle McCarr a top three player in the world? Ooh. I I think he's I, really cementing himself. First off, like, yeah. he surpassed McKinnon as the best player on the X. That's yeah. been made very clear. But is he at that level of, has he entered the McDavid-Matthews conference? Different position, but is he the McDavid-Matthews? Has he joined them in the top three in the league?
1: Oh, I'd say he's number four. Behind? I think it's still, and I know we've said about it before, but I think right now it's still McDavid. Yep. Matthews. Okay. Crosby. And oh, okay. Okay. Kale okay. Oh,
0: wow. Oh, so we're still giving credit to Sid,
1: eh? Yes.
0: I, we would have to. That's the,
1: that's the trademark of this uh, this podcast.
0: It's true. It's it's not me saying it. It's Daniel. But, uh, yeah. Uh, also, uh, Vasilevsky has had back-to-back rough starts. Were you surprised that John Cooper kept him in?
1: All yeah, I think by the time it was, I think, the 10, 10 minute... I, I remember I wrote it down. 10 minutes, 41 seconds. I think that was the sixth goal. I really felt that You know, like what, you're not coming back in this game. Um, If he's going to be frustrated, let him be frustrated. But, you know, you don't want to exert this guy in, I guess, the state of mind he's in right now, he just got bombarded by the avalanche. Like, it wouldn't hurt to just see Brian Elliott just play cleanup at that point because you're you're not coming back.
0: I always love when you see the super starters and then you kind of forget who their backup is and you're like, oh, yeah, Brian Elliott who looks... Ain't, he looks 50. It's incredible that he's still... He, like, you have to be a really good guy to be a backup, so I imagine Brian Elliott's like that. But yeah, I, I didn't I didn't love it. But you know, I, I don't think it was Vasilevsky. Listen, he wasn't the only reason they lost. Like, as I tweeted, the, the bombardment, the force of Colorado's offense is like an avalanche. I guess hey. the and, all that. Uh, and another thing I wanted to mention, by the way, is you know what? There have been I want to say it was to start the St. Louis series. I had the question of, are Colorado going to feel rusty, right? And then they came out all of guns blazing in that series. And even especially to start game one, two, and Bennington was the only sort of de- deciding factor. And then once he went down, uh, the Blues just didn't stand a chance. I still think they would have won even if, like, I don't think Bennington was going to steal the entire series. But no. then after sweeping Edmonton, I think we all wondered the same thing even if, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning are notoriously bad to start every series so far. Um, But it really feels like they've learned from previous series, the abs, and mentally, I think, are more prepared than anyone we've ever seen play the Tampa Bay Lightning.
1: Yeah, I think a big big lesson for them, I think, is we saw, not from this year, because we saw that they weren't really, I guess, challenged from a world-class goalie up until this point, but we have to remember also they lost against Anton Hudobun who got really hot and they weren't able to solve him. And I think they took that lesson now and they're approaching it in a different way. I, they look like a different team. They look like a team that's not letting up and they've just been able to find the angles on that's, that That's really something that I know it's the chances as well, but that's something that I didn't see other teams take advantage of.
0: Uh, I don't know if it's just me, but it feels like a lot of the time some of those early goals that were a lot of on man rushes, a lot of the abs weren't looking for passes. They were shooting. Josh manson was 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 obviously noted first sniper goal as well. yeah, Josh Manson noted sniper, by the way. Um, but i I just I felt like the abs have they've not been afraid to to shoot on Vasilevsky instead of looking for the extra pass to try and make a. An odd man sort of opportunity, but sorry, you know what I mean. Like, on the odd man rush, they're not afraid to take the shot. Daniel, I actually want to turn back the clock and go back to the Edmonton Oilers for a second here, the team that Colorado beat to get to the finals. For the third straight episode, let's clarify Duncan Keith. So, originally, and Puckpedia seemed to have agreed, like, was the one who was first put it out there, saying that the, the, the Oilers should be getting a cap bonus for the Duncan Keith contract if he does retire. Bill Daly then said apparently they don't and I haven't seen any real reasoning as to why they wouldn't. So I'm kind of wondering if Edmonton are getting shafted. Also apparently they're nearing a three year extension with Jay Woodcroft. Oh, okay. I, I didn't I I I don't get what was happening there. That was weird. Um, they, yeah. they were
1: toning down the headlines about the, the Doug and Keith recapture bonus. So they, they saw that. We, we were talking about it. They're like, no, we don't want these guys to have another story. That's that's too scandalous for the NHL. So we're not going to do it. we not
0: talking about it anymore either because I feel like an idiot.
1: No, it's fine. We made uh, a mistake collectively.
0: Um, we didn't make a mistake. NHL made the mistake. That's true. So, you know, get it right, NHL. Uh, get it right, NHL. Uh, beside that yeah Woodcroft coming back well just I'm interested to see when they get um, Dave Manson done that'll be interesting uh I guess next we can go to
1: uh are
0: you excited for the memorial Cup do you often do you normally watch it or no
1: yeah I watch Memorial Cup I laughed at it uh, because uh I, I I actually tried to go to uh the Hamilton Bulldogs game for game seven but my schedule didn't work out because I really wanted oh, to see okay. Mason McTavish. And I said, it's okay, I'll just see him at the Memorial Cup. And then I realized it's in St. John's. So, uh, maybe not, maybe not. Probably not, we're not gonna make it. Because I saw the, like, I saw the ticket prices at first. I'm like, oh, this is, this is very affordable. Until I realized how far it is.
0: Exactly. Uh, so, it's going to be, I think it's the Cataracts from the Q, Uh, the Bulldogs from the O, the Oil Kings from the dub, and then, of course, uh, the Sea Dogs are your host. Uh, so you're rooting for McTavish. I'm obviously okay with either Edmonton or Hamilton. Because, of course, Hamilton has Ar- Arbor Jack Eye. And it has uh, our favorite Jan Misha. Um, of course, everyone loves him. Everyone loves him. And, of course, Edmonton have Caden Gooley, who has the most goals by a Oilers oh. defenseman. Or Oil King defenseman, sorry. In WHL playoff history. So uh, that
1: should be exciting. So for the Bulldogs um, against the Oil Kings, you just want everybody to have fun.
0: I would prefer goalie to be honest, but i really? sure. just just goalie. Just don't take anyone out. Is my one thing.
1: I actually thought you would go for the Bulldogs because of their history as a former AHL team with the Habs. Oh
0: yeah, cause they, yeah yeah that's actually that's, that's very true. Um no, I don't really, not really. No? Shout out to Laval losing in Game Seven of uh, the Conference Finals and just didn't show up except for Kaden Frivo. Um, but yeah, look out for the um. Look out for the uh, the Memorial Cup that is coming up soon. I'm just trying to find the exact start date here. Um,
1: we'll get Alex's pick for it next episode.
0: Exactly. I believe it is June. Is this the 20th to the 29th? Oh, so it starts tomorrow. Right. Uh, it's it's always weird because it's the round robin and then the by. It's it's always it's fun to always watch, but uh, the the tournament it's it's unique. It's unique. Ah, uh, the tort, not the torts. Ah, uh, the Flyers submitted the official with John Tortorella. It's a four year deal, four million dollars per year. He's the new head coach. Did you see Brandon Dubinsky's tweet?
1: Yes, um, and it's a funny coincidence because there was a past a art- few articles I remember when I was going through, and I look at them recently on the athletic about a few things, what it meant to play in Columbus, what it meant to play under John Tortorella. And the whole Brian Dubitsky situation with John Tortorella. So this kind of comes full circle right now. Um, we are thinking, how is this going to affect Camp Atkinson? But maybe this is something the Philly thinks that what they want for at least a year or two. I know it's a four-year deal, but you know they're going in a different direction now.
0: Okay, I always thought he liked Tortorella, though. Atkinson.
1: Yes, I always thought that, too. So that's why I didn't... I don't know, it's just... Uh, I don't know how the way people are viewing it because he did. I did view him as one of those top six guys that he got more of an opportunity because he was a Torts guy. Like he showed the effort.
0: Well, he had his best. Didn't he have like a thirty goal campaign under Tortorella one year?
1: Or yeah, he was an All Star twice. Yeah,
0: that's weird. I always, yeah, I always thought he was a big. I know people were going on about that Rovensky, the, the Rovensky back and forth on Instagram, but I didn't, I didn't think much of that to be honest. But I, I don't know. Um, but I'm sure if there is something gone wrong, they're going to talk about it. But, I mean, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. For those of you who didn't see, it was Dubinsky basically saying, uh, pray for the Flyers players. Because uh, Tortorella, uh, he's a demanding coach. He's a demanding coach. But I like you know. to
1: say that when I when Brad Dubinsky got traded to Columbus and then they eventually got drawn, drawn Tortorella, I always thought that would be a perfect match in a way because he plays the Tortorella style. It's just... I think with the injuries, with the minutes and everything, it just didn't work out for some reason.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to mention the Kuzmenko stuff, but I think we can just wait until where he decides to, to sign. Chris Johnson did say on insider trading, the tour's done, so it's going to be in the next week or two, a decision will come. I bet he ends up in Vancouver because that's sort of, or maybe that's just in Canada we've been focusing on his time in Vancouver more than anyone else, but uh, yeah. Uh, other stuff, Barry Trotz. Um, this is from Pierre Lebrun. Uh, He's going to make his decision around July 1st is where he's going to go. He has chatted with Nashville about a management role, and he's bought a house in Nashville, apparently. Um, (laughs) But he is meeting again with Winnipeg next week. Originally, I also saw that from Darren Dreger. Um, So that's a little update there. Uh, Also want to give a shout-out to the HDA, the old Hockey Diversity Alliance here. I'm going to read a quick tweet they have here. Uh, we are excited to share our grassroots program in up and coming. Sorry, app. Uh, grassroots program is up and running in Toronto. HDA ball hockey skills is for boys and girls between ages 6 to 15 who want the opportunity to play ball hockey and are not playing in an organized league. Uh, we always talk about growing the game at a grassroots level, and uh, it's good to see the HTA doing that. Uh, another good thing from them.
1: Yeah. um... I really liked it. Um, it's pretty funny. I'm trying to actually do this for a story for my other job really? right now. And um, it is interesting that they're doing a lot of these grassroots things, especially in Toronto right now, where I saw a lot of things opening up downtown that just made more of an opportunity to have these types of things now. I know that COVID still a thing, but, you know, they're making it work. And I, I like that focus on kids that never had the opportunity to play because – We've said it so many times. Hockey is not attainable for everybody. No. The cost, the commitment, the practices, the distances in between games. That's something that really always astounded me. And I'm happy that it is a start to let these kids experience the game because they're always about growth.
0: Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, here's some news that's a little... I didn't realize in how sort of bleak this was until I saw some stuff that... Richard Coffey was retweeting in that. So uh, former Tennessee Governor Bill Haslam, could you saying it wrong, uh, is said to gradually buy the NHL's Nashville Predators. Um, uh, so I don't think it's quite all official yet, but I think it was discussed at the Board of Governors meeting. Now, uh, the reason it's not great uh, is, from what I understand, this guy is not a supporter of same-sex marriage, hasn't been very friendly to the LGBT community and all that. Um, and I've looked at some of his other stuff. He seems to flip on a lot of stuff like gun control and that before. Um, typical politician, to be honest with you. Um, and, and it's it's really, the real shame here is do you remember who's a natural predator? Or is within the organization? And is going to the Memorial Cup I'm pretty sure. Luke Prokop, the only openly gay player in like NHL atmosphere. So, listen, I'm sure sometimes what you advocate politically isn't always what you always believe in party loyalships and all that, and I'm not super familiar with the guy. This is just the research I've seen, um, but it, it's still not great for the league. And we talked about stuff like this and, and being a friendly environment in the game, and I—beside I, I, I beside the fact that his brother, I think, owns the Cleveland Browns and I don't think he's a great owner himself— um, well, lesson. I I hope his political beliefs are. I I hope he's a bit more open minded. Is what I'll say. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I understand. Um yes. This is definitely something I think we're gonna keep looking at to see what's gonna happen with this. But it was yeah. It's it's just weird to see because we're from Nashville. But I think like
0: we're not not from Nashville. Not from. Give, Nashville. Yes,
1: given that area, it is more of a conservative state. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee, so we'll see.
0: We'll see, man. We'll see. I just, listen, it's just to be, I, uh, it, it's, 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 um, I'm, I don't know what to say. I don't know what else to say. Bit of a difficult sort of straight turn here, but, uh, is Steph Curry top 10 all time? Chip yes. number four, finals top MVP, finally.
1: Yeah, I say top 10, like not like the top t- of the top 10, but he is in the top 10.
0: He's no, yeah, you know, he's no, he's no MJ, he's not LeBron. Is he is he a better point guard than Magic?
1: So that's difficult because they played different style,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and it's it's kind of crazy because Magic Johnson and I'm not saying it's, it's I'm gonna it's gonna sound like I watched it but I wasn't even born when he yeah. retired. <laughs> but yep. um, he was more of like the phenom early on in his career, and he was already one of the best coming out of college and he dominated early in his career because you know it was the young magic johnson and the veteran kareem abdul-jabbar for the showtime lakers and then it's <laughs> a pretty he, good pair yeah and then they got james worthy in the draft too so they had three hall of famers and they dominated early in his career and then he retired unexpectedly when he got eights but mm. steph curry is the opposite where he was a bit of a reach in the draft, even though he went seventh. And he was injured for many years before Golden State got everything together for those championship runs. Like, he was drafted in 2009. He wasn't considered, like, one of the best players until, like, five years later when he finally got healthy.
0: I, I know there's more of a political sort of how Magic helped the game back in the day, um, but Steph, like, and helped really grow it. Obviously, it was the baton from, like, him and what, it was, it was the baton from him and Larry Bird went to Michael, and then Michael was just the sort of, oh my god, like, this shooting star, basically. But St- I think Steph has helped revolutionize the game in the more modern ways in the three-point shooting. Like, just, he's a social media phenom in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, you see what he does in warm-up and that? The guy is just different. You remember how, like, in high school, people would, like, shoot garbage into cans and they'd say, Kobe? What I do is like I'll get an empty can and I'll be like curry for three, and I never shoot it into the can because I'm horrible. Um, but uh, I'm I'm happy for him. I'm happy. Does to- Kevin Durant? <laughs> I may if I may for a moment here do my best Stephen A. bit as I button up a part of my old my flannel, the flannel I wear every time we record because I'm hot because it's it's summer. basically. I don't think it's officially summer, but Kevin Durant joined the Warriors because he could beat them. Those young thunder couldn't get it done. Doesn't drive the bus. Leaves because he wants, because he wasn't loved there. He wasn't Steph. He wasn't Clay. He was KD. Goes to the Brooklyn Nets. Leaves Draymond, all those guys for Kyrie Irving. And then what happens? All the drama with the big three. Once James showed up, Bill Simmons hasn't played. Ben Simmons, sorry, not Bill Ben. I can use his name because he doesn't play, so I just forget about it. Oh, you know, Show up to work. The shade. <clears throat> and then, what happens? They get swept by the Boston Celtics. And the team that swept you lost to the team you left. Kevin Durant. Where is your legacy? <laughs> that's it. I love it. Kyrie betrayed you. Anyway. That's one it is
1: interesting. I think the Warriors, the way... I, I see it is they built to the draft with a lot of their guys. They were very yeah. smart with their signings. And what we saw again is Andrew Wiggins was probably one of like the biggest acquisition they got. You know, he was a reclamation prize as well. I was about to say the f-
0: signature phrase of the show reclamation project.
1: Yeah. And they restocked it through the draft again, like Jordan Poole, um, Jonathan Kaminga, they like you know, James Did you Wiseman him? didn't James Wiseman didn't play, but he's another guy that's gonna be a piece for the future. And you know, like it's people are saying, Oh, like they're a dynasty team, it's unfair, but you know, it, they didn't go out and just sign everybody. They kept the core intact and they just keep kept adding to it. Like they what I like about it is that they had the willingness to and I'm gonna compare it to the Raptors, they had the willingness to develop these guys, not just give up on them so quickly.
0: Exactly, patience. There were, and development is not a straight line.
1: There were those dark years when they after they lost to the Raptors, like everyone was saying, "Oh, just trade everybody now. This is just Steph Curry and Clay Thompson's out for two years."
0: And, and Matt nah, Clay may be cooked. I think he's low cooked. Low cooked. We all love we love Clay, but low cooked. But man, they did it. Draymond, love Draymond. <laughs> I love Draymond so much. Uh, is a personality
1: it. you wish you had in the NHL sometimes?
0: Oh, 100%. 100%. I don't know how many people can hold a candle to dream on, but that man is a TNT have a spot ready for him whenever Chuck or or Kenny retire.
1: I have something funny to say, too. It made me laugh. Because it was a criticism of him, but it's something that I think as us doing a podcast, I appreciated. He, even during the finals, after a bad loss, he still did his podcast.
0: Okay. And I saw people get mad about that, and then people obviously mentioned, you know, Michael Jordan at the casinos late. Uh, famously, Dennis Rodman didn't practice because he was doing WW WCW
1: stuff. WCW, yeah.
0: So, like, shut up. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, I, I love that. Like, if men, there, he wasn't playing well, obviously, in the finals until like near the end of it, which didn't help. But they still won. They yeah. still won. Um, you know, and just you know, he was close to uh you ever seen those uh those sk- I forget their names are, but these guys who do like locker rooms after game seven skits? And maybe yeah, like LeBron that. after coming back again, so we're like, Kevin, love, you had no points I had eighteen rebound. I okay, give me your ring. Harry, <laughs> you hoop you keep your ring.
1: Are the Golden State RJ, Warriors I thought you were
0: average, you hit a jump shot in two threes, you keep your ring. <sighs> that's not, that's not
1: are that. the Golden State Warriors the Tampa Bay Lightning?
0: Well, the golden, they didn't win three straight, did they?
1: no no, they won one, lost in the finals, and then they won two in a row, lost to the finals, and then a few years later won this one
0: um I don't know, I think it's more our Tampa golden State because I think mm. Golden State have been more you know, they, they had more chips, right yeah uh well I no, see I think they're all they're pretty similar overall, um yeah, I think you could say, but I think Tampa have to win. Because here's the thing, oh, we we talk so much about the greatness of Tampa, they're still going to be a great team, but if they don't beat Colorado, it definitely damages them. Because we are going to put them in mythical status, right? Yeah. But if they lose this, then I think they get brought down a little bit. You know what I mean? I don't know, it's because so much is talked about with legacy in the NBA the last couple of years. Like, yeah, it's such a big talk, and like obviously, like, Golden State win, Kevin Durant's legacy is cooked, right? I think we have to. I think we need to talk about legacy a bit more in hockey. So if they don't win, they're obviously still a great team, maybe the greatest of the Cap era. But if they can't win the third straight, I don't think we can put them with the Islanders, Oilers, and Canadians of the seventies to eighties. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, I think Golden State's a good thing to mention, though. Yeah, but Golden State Is- aren't a dynasty. <laughs> they didn't win three straight.
1: I have a funny thing. Is Pat Maroon a dynasty?
0: A uh, single headed don. Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. I, when the when they retire, Patrick Maroon should be the next guy to travel with the cup and take care of it. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. And 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 Corey Perry's the anti dynasty. <laughs> Poor guy. Imagine if he loses a fourth straight farm. Five- I would retire. I'd be like, okay, that's enough. That's enough. That too much heartbreak.
1: I know people uh, are saying there's a Corey Perry curse, but remember 2007.
0: That's true. He has one. He has one. Yes. Um. I had this little thing from David Pagnotta here the man the myth the legend Great, uh, and he basically said on NHL network uh, you're probably looking at 3 to 4 million dollars for him on a 3 or 4 year contract if the leafs lose out on campbell he's going to be a target of them uh, i don't think anyone's really surprised to hear that but and we talked about the goalie market i think it's pretty fair to say that listen because we don't know what's going on with Marc-Andre Fleury but you know what's huso 26 or 27 i think he's 27 um, I would almost prefer if you could guarantee it. obviously, free agency you might be outbid, maybe Edmonton's gonna be in there. But if there's a guy I'd rather take a risk on, honestly, I'd rather bet on Huso than Campbell for the sole reason of Huso's younger and I don't think has the injury his- history but they're they're both like barely established. You know what yeah. I mean like Campbell's just starting to get a bit of a resume, and Huso had like one good year and wasn't great in the playoffs. But like yeah. considering what there is available I think Huso is probably the best goalie you can get.
1: I have a fun fact about Ville Huso. Sure? When he was drafted in the 4th round, he was originally the Leafs 4th round pick. Really? He was traded they traded Carl Gunnarsson and that pick for Roman Polak. <laughs> That's pretty neat when you think about it. Yeah.
0: I mean, you know, Roman Polak's like, "Ah, you
1: know I got." Well, the guy that you? um I remember there was that race, remember, between who is going to always come back or stay the longest, Roman Polak or Martin Marinchen. And Marty won the race. He did somehow.
0: He he won the race. Um, okay, but I wish Alex was here so we get his take on who so. But I mean, you know, I
1: it's wonder who's second goalie is. Yeah, I think the elites are going to be aggressive with it. I I don't know. Like the Jack Campbell era was fun. It was great. It's just. It's not, in my opinion, it's not going to be... I, I, I'm afraid to see what it's going to look like if they gave him a long-term deal and you still see these injury problems happen or they just don't have a good 1B guy behind him because Mrazic's not it.
0: What, what doesn't help Campbell's case for getting a long-term deal, from the Leafs at least, because free agency is a wild place, right? New Jersey and Buffalo are saying hello there. But what doesn't help is because he had such a great start to the year, but then that middle stretch was just like playing with that rib injury. It's just sort of like, okay, well, it's ammunition for the people who don't believe, like, I oh, can't stay healthy and that. And then obviously those affected his numbers in the new year. And then you're like, well, what exactly is he? And then it's, it's uh, he's, a, he's a strange goaltender. He's a strange goaltender. Uh, obviously, you know me and thoughts of with goaltending, right? It's just, I, I like Campbell. He's just not enough. He's just not enough. But unfortunately, there's, you can't make, you know, um, you, you can't turn 50 cents into a million dollars. That was really bad. But like, you know, you can't, if, if, it, if the goaltender's not available, well, then what else can you do, right? Uh, Going to the yeah. Habs, big deal. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is such a big story. And we're just going to do it now. Shea Weber's been traded. Uh, The captain is gone. He had a nice little statement. It was short, it was brief, but that was Shea Weber. It was right?
1: very Shea Weber, yes. Reading it. Yeah.
0: Um, still hasn't officially retired because obviously, once those few million dollars in the cap recapture stuff may affect other teams, right? Um, but you know, Shea Weber. Before we get to the trade itself, great captain. I was critical of him this year, but hey, it was good End to have era. Him. the Shea Weber era. It was it it was. It feels longer than it really was because what it was twenty seventeen to to last year really. Um, he was a good captain. Seems that the guys loved him. I think he's a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. I think so. Just doesn't have the the resume, unfortunately, to be, like, top out. It's a shame he never won a Norris Trophy, eh?
1: That's always surprised me, because he was always up there. Just, he was always a candidate when Duncan Keith was winning them.
0: He is, like, Shea Weber is, like, one of the most consistent D ever, in my opinion. Like, the guy is just a pure force. Like I compared him in my video to Dustin Bufflin that there were a few physical specimens that the league has ever had. That's just because they're such a dying breed now, quite like Shea Weber. Um, But I'm going to miss him. He was a joy to watch. The guy could just flatten you anywhere in the shot. The shot's famous, but uh, he gets sent to Vegas. They're going to obviously use him for LTIR. Um, And then, of course, in exchange, Montreal get Evgeny Dodonov. First off, um, I just want to find this thing to do with LTIR because I think I was a little confused about this. Because I thought originally that Vegas were going to need the 7.8 million cap hit that Weber has. And I thought maybe they were going to need that room to initially update him. Now, this is what Cap Friendly tweeted. To clear up a common misconception, a team does not need to be below the upper limit to start the season on LTIR. They can use the LTIR training camp equation on the day prior to the season start and place players on LTIR while already above the limit, which I think basically means it's a loophole at the start of the season rather than at the trade deadline, which I think you would then need the room at that point, which is what Vegas were trying to get away with. Um... And then the other way, Montreal, Getty Tudonov, as I mentioned, who, I mean, let's be honest, he's probably going to get them a pick at the deadline for being on. Get a, get a second if he pops off too much. Um, but the Canadians wanted to clear cap space, obviously. Jeff Petrie is still probably going to get moved, but conversation for another day. Um, but what do you make of, of this for Vegas? Because forget the real money, because it's it's like Vegas basically are paying, when it comes to real dollars in Weber's contract, are actually paying less on this four-year deal than Evgeny Dodonov has on now. I don't really think Vegas are too concerned with the cash. But let me ask you this, because the implications of this is they will now be working in LTIR for basically the next four years at least, which is never a fun spot to be in but it's one they are choosing to go with. What do you think of that?
1: I think that it's just the Vegas mentality that's never changed, that they're in it to win it every year. And don't worry about the future, because we mentioned we mentioned last episode that um, who are their draft picks. I, I mentioned Zachary Dean. I mentioned really just him and... I don't think Vegas is really concerned about it in terms of the money, in terms of what things are going to look like in the next few years because they are just doing whatever they can to just win it right now, especially the way that roster is built. So they're going to pay it, but it's just a let's allow future management to think about what are we going to deal with this.
0: That sounds very Vegas, to be honest. And just to clarify what I mean exactly about real money, uh, this is from Jesse Granger of The Athletic on Twitter. Vegas owner Bill Foley essentially agreeing to pay $6 million of Weber's remaining deal to buy cap space by unloading if Dadonov's $5 million cap it. Um, because obviously Weber has, but yeah, the cap it's like 7.8 for another four years. Because it's an illegal contract pre-CBA, like two CBA, CBAs ago, um, there's not a lot of real cash being paid out there. I think it's like less than $3 million for the
1: last few years. Um, I like to mention, by the way, fun fact, this contract was originally given by the Philadelphia Flyers to Shea Weber. Yeah, it
0: was the offer sheet. Yeah.
1: Yes, it's, and it was matched by Nashville.
0: Yes, I that it's it's a it's if you like just take it's like a hundred million dollars. Eh? It yeah. is a. I remember a few days before the the Weber Subban trade. It was the first time I really actually took a look at a, at a contract, and I remember thinking, "This is a." How in the world does a player get this kind of deal? And then I remember when he was traded, my first thought was, This has nine years on it. Oh my God, what are the Canadians thinking? Um, and I just wanted to read a little snippet from an Arpin and Basu article from The Athletic here. Um, and this is why sort of the deal makes sense and how the Canadians were able to do this without giving up an asset rather than, in fact, getting a middle six scoring winger that they can then flip for an asset. Quote Somehow the Canadians found a team more desperate to make this trade than they were. Uh, because though the Canadians uh, because though the Canadians didn't have the same immediate urgency to make this trade as the Vegas Golden Knights, make no mistake this was a desperately needed move for the Canadians. Um, and the reason for anyone wondering why it's really important is if carry price can't play, it's not just Shea Weber's 7.8 million dollars on LTIR, It's also Kerry price is 10.5. So that's about 18 million dollars in cap space. The Canadians are going to be on LTIR. Which means they won't be able to accrue cap space in the regular season. Um, not to mention, because they are a younger team, they already have a cap penalty next year to do with Jordan Harris, Caulfield, and I think Suzuki's contract bonus is taking place. Whoever the first overall pick is going to be is going to have one there. Um, so it's important that they have that sort of buffer room. Um, but Daniel, that is everything. Uh, sorry if this just is a just looks weird as an episode, and it sounds weird. It was a mess. We're sorry. But we but got through it. We're, we got through it.
1: Yes. Uh, we're pre- resilient. Alex
0: having to edit this.
1: We're the dream on greens of hockey podcasts. We get it I've, done no matter what.
0: I, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, we're going to figure out how in the world we're supposed to export this now. But thank you for listening. Check out the link for, excuse me, all the links required. Who's going to win the Canadian Grand Prix?
1: Nicholas Latifi.
0: Mean. You see, he, he, he hit a ground hook. I saw. That was sad. Uh, I, I, I hope Carlos wins, but it uh, it's, it looks like Max's race to lose. If it was wet, I'd say Fernando has a chance, but I don't know what the weather is like.
1: But... My boy, Max. You Max? Well, oh, okay. I don't know.
0: We'll I, no, Bottas isn't going to win the race. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening. Have a good one.
1: Bye, guys.